Hey, everybody. Great episode of The Morning Show. We have Spencer back in town after his trip to Asia for Korean Blockchain Week and some of the events surrounding Pudgy Penguins and D-Gods that were happening out there. Uh, we discuss FriendTech in depth and what his perspective is on where FriendTech is at. We talk about Pudgy Penguins and the response everyone has had to their recent marketing campaign with the Walmart activation. He also gives us his pick of the month. So overall, it's a great episode of The Morning Show. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thursday, October 5th. We are back rebounding after a kick-ass episode yesterday with the DC Investor. If you're a fan of NFTs, if you're a fan of uh, Ethereum cryptocurrency and hearing a uh, OG veteran take on the differences between Bitcoin, ETH, and Solana moving forward, I'd Definitely recommend that you check out yesterday's episode available on all platforms. That's with DC Investor. Second time he's been on the show. We got to make sure we have him on more often because he was electric and the feedback was even better. But today we got somebody back in town after a little Asia trip. We got Spencer decked out head to toe in pudgy garb. How's it going, Spencer? You know what? The vibes are great. I enjoyed my time overseas, but I missed waking up, rolling out of bed going, talking to the guys, talking to the gals, talking to the pals, talking to the gender non-specific degens of all types and flavors in our audience. It's great morning to have a great day. I don't know. I'm pumped up. I'm fired up. I'm back. I've readjusted to the climate here. I've readjusted to the sleep schedule. I'm back on good old American food. I've already gained like six pounds since the three days I've been back. You know, we're rocking it. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing the good work out here. That's all I got to say. Well, very inclusive greeting from Spencer there. Great to have you back, buddy. How was the Asia trip? So you went to Korea for the blockchain conference. Where else did you go? So yeah, I was in Korea for Korea blockchain week. I was in Singapore for token 2049, um, hopped over to Malaysia for a couple of days to check out the pudgy Malaysia crew. They've got a good kind of good ecosystem going on there. And then, um, was also in, uh, Japan mostly to eat sushi. Oh, that's that sounds like a great trip. Tokyo the whole time in Japan? So I went Tokyo, um, Kyoto, Osaka. Oh, damn. Okay, three-city tour. Yeah. Very nice. That must have been it, off it the hook. Adventuring. It was actually my second time in, to, uh, in Japan, although my first time was for eight hours on a layover. So first time to really get to experience it. This is the first real time. And, you know, during that period, uh, you know, Spencer Ventures, the fund that you run... I'd imagine has done uh, pretty okay, at least when it comes to the uh, pudgy penguins exposure that you all had. Uh, I'd imagine that you're pretty pumped about the results there. Yeah, I mean, look, like this was a thing that you got to, you know, one of the things you got to look at in the space, like who's hustling, who's out, who's having conversations, right? Like Luca and pudgy penguin team had a big presence across Korea blockchain week, across Token 2049 in Malaysia, across all these different things. Like, it, it's not surprising to me. Actually, the two biggest pudgy runs have come after conferences where Luco is very present. The mm. last big one was right after um, Art Basel in Miami. And I don't think mm. that was a coincidence. You saw some, um, you saw a lot of people uh, just sort of having conversations with Luca, having conversations with team, kind of getting it for the first time, getting exposed to the plushies they are brought around. Like, you know, it's interesting to watch. And, and there was a lot of presence, you know, shout out to Rug Radio, shout out to like many of the other people who were there um, at these different conferences. But, you know, what's really interesting, I think, is in like in NFT land, we got kind of stuck in our bubble, right? And the reality is within the scope of all crypto, NFTs is, is a small, small thing, right? It, it, it's, it's not tiny, 
but it's not huge, right? And yep. so when you go to these conferences, you get to see, okay, not only people who have been around since the last cycle, but people who are much larger. And what was really, really interesting to me was I got to have some really cool conversations with a lot of bigger players in the overall crypto, overall coin market who are paying attention to NFTs. They're thinking about it. What does NFT mean for me? What does it mean for our ecosystems? Because one of the things that I think is really interesting that I, I definitely underpriced before this trip, but overpriced now after, or not overpriced, but I think correctly <laughs> priced now after this trip was the importance of NFTs as being seen as a gas uh, consumption on ETH, right? So every major ecosystem, be it L1s, L2s, looks at what happened on ETH last cycle and said, wow, NFTs drew, drove a lot of volume and a lot of gas on Ethereum. That was beneficial to the Ethereum network overall, right? Many, many of these infrastructure are in the business of generating gas fees, right? That is how they do well. That is one of the mechanisms by which the price of their coin goes up. And NFTs are seen as a really good mechanism. Having a healthy NFT ecosystem is seen as a great mechanism for driving gas fees on your chain. And because of that, the interest from all of the broader crypto market in figuring out how they can make NFTs work for their chain, for their L2, for their L1, for their ecosystem is actually of much greater importance than I ever realized. And so I think that's a really interesting takeaway I had from this time as well. You know, great insight. I, I think we all kind of know that, but it's good to hear that it was kind of, I guess, made it abundantly clear to you. Nick, go ahead. I mean, you definitely knew it. You talk about this regularly about gas consumption patterns and NFT and corollary uh, sort of behavior as a result of that. And I, I'm always fascinated when Pio talks about it. Question, Spencer, do you know exactly how much gas is consumed by like a given, like what is the value that like Bored Apes, for example, provide to the network uh, or Pudgy Penguins provide to the network? Do you just take total trading volume and divide it by a thousand or something like that? Or like, how, how do you figure that out? Well, so I think it, 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 it really depends, right? So it depends on what your network is. So like a lot of the networks that I'm talking about are um, like part of their shtick is that they are less gas consumptive, right? Than something like Ethereum. Um, but if you look like, like, I think this is, this is a very, a very like vanilla thing, right? It's like, you can look at all trading volume, but you look at like mints, you look at like dApps, you look at all these different you know, NFT FI, all of this stuff around NFTs, like it, it's pretty significant. Now, obviously right now on ETH, it's going down in general, but I think what people are looking at is they're saying, okay, in the last cycle, what made ETH so beneficial? And one of the big narratives around ETH was, you know, uh, and then people are expecting with ETH in this next cycle is that ETH can be deflationary. What it was one of the big consumers of, of gas, right? Like we talk about other side mint, we talk about all these other things that like happened in NFT land that were beneficial. And so, you know, one thing that I think we have a lot less of in the West than exists in the East is alt L1s, right? Like one of the interesting things about the trip to Korea is understanding how different like Korean ecosystem is, right? In Korea, nobody has a wallet. Everyone trades on exchanges. It's, it's very, very infrequent that you see people with wallets. There's tons of exchange volume. Like very famously, right, during lunch break in Korea, exchange volumes go up like noticeably, right? Because a lot of retail in Korea trades during lunch breaks because gambling is basically like illegal. A lot of different types of investing is illegal, but you can trade crypto, right? And so what happens is when you can only trade on custodial exchanges, rather than having other tokens, they have alt L1s. So like during the time of KBW, there was an alt L1 called Say which was like 80% of volume on Korean exchanges, right? In the West, you probably never heard a say. 
right? But I had a lot of conversations with various stakeholders in Say saying one of the things that they want for Say is a robust NFT ecosystem. Why? Because like the thing about the, the challenge with crypto as it exists today and from the last cycle is that there's a ton of infrastructure and there's lots of infrastructure for trading other infrastructure. And you can trade the tokens representing the like finance platforms that let you trade the infrastructure. But there's like kind of nothing going on in the middle, right? And so a lot of people see NFTs as that, as like the thing that you need to exist to like justify why you need the infrastructure, right? And so you see some people say, okay, it's not really about trading. It's actually about like, you know, we think we just think about trading, but it's not just about trading, right? Like many games that use NFT in the games still consume gas to move the NFTs around as part of regular game function, right? And so you don't need it to be traders paying the gas fees. You just need there to be gas and, and activity on a chain that results from the existence of other things that are not just infrastructure and infrastructure for trading other infrastructure. And the so, best answer we have so far is like usually NFTs. So, uh, well, I'm, I'm surprised that DeFi isn't part of that conversation as well. But the, the biggest thing uh, or another way of saying it is not just gas consumption, it's basically actual practical use cases of the blockchain because a lot of the infrastructure, like you're saying, that's built up is like bridges between blockchains and uh, bridges between layers and uh, and and uh, swapping of tokens between different tokens, which like you're saying, are tokens representing other infrastructures that exist. And so we're just building uh, a bunch of tubes between blockchains where uh, like it's like having a highway uh, between empty cities. And yeah. so uh, and so that's where a lot of uh, app development occurs. I mean, if you look at um, even a lot of the hyped blockchains, I would say the entire crypto trading space, think about like ICOs and, uh, and beyond. ICOs, I think, were a little different in the sense that a lot of people, a lot of the pitches for those were practical use cases. Um, Every one was a practical use case. Yeah. That's what got people excited. It was like, this is going to revolutionize the world. This ICO is going to solve banks. And you were like, I'm, I'm going all in. This yeah. is incredible. And, but, but none of the, none of those people ended up executing on it. This was the first time where we saw uh, a ton of you know volume and activity around something. And I, But all that being said, it is kind of one of the most challenging things to do. Um, and I feel like it just shows how early we still are in this entire process oh. um, because like it's also such a weird place to be operating when so many people are involved in an ecosystem, which is so infrastructure heavy. Like the, the whole crypto space is a bunch of speculative trading around things which are built for solutions which aren't necessarily being utilized right now. The only one that we've seen really is like uh, payments, as we've discussed, I think is like cross-border payments is a really good one. Uh, inflation hedges against uh, like, so using USDC or something like that in a volatile uh, depreciating asset country because the US dollar is, you know, stable and not inflating at all. And uh, so I think that there's, um, I, I don't know, it, it is interesting. I love what you're saying. And it almost becomes like, uh, uh, you know, pudgy and D guys, you were talking about the, the projects that you saw have a presence in these places are kind of like uh, political uh, representatives going into ambassadors. Uh, to, yeah. Ambassadors well, going into these places pretty much. 
Yeah, it was one one of the other interesting things, right? Is like I talked to you know someone who is high up at one of the one of these chains, right? And he he made an interesting point to me. He said, "Look, like the reason we want to talk to everyone is because like okay, DeFi, you want DeFi, you spend a hundred mil as a chain, you have DeFi, right? Like it, it's literally that simple, right? You can just buy DeFi infrastructure. You back enough projects, you can clone all the things in the other chains. You put some TVL on them, like." Bada bing, bada boom, it's done, right? You, you just have DeFi, right, on your on your chain. But NFT is culture, right? And and so, you know, I think we we saw this, right? Like this was the challenge with Polygon and um, and Utes is like you kind of can't buy culture. Like it's not so obvious that you can just give a couple of people a bunch of money. And we were even seeing this on Ethereum, right? Like like it is really really tough as it turns out to build something. You know, on Ethereum, there's a couple of groups that have a hundred mil, right? Each. And they couldn't figure out how to make it work. And so, like, you know, this is a challenging thing because the reason that, you know, let's work backwards. Like, why do we have so much infrastructure? Why do we have so much, like, things where the metric is volume and TVL? Because this simple answer is you can buy volume and TVL, right? These are things that are attainable through money. And there's a lot of money in crypto, right? The thing that is less attainable through money is culture. And that's, it turns out, you know, you can try and force it. You can try and do this, that, or the other. but um, long-term sustainable IP and culture is a really, really tough cookie to crack. I mean, this is the reason, right? Like you see large um, franchises were on like Star Wars 25 or something, right? Because they made one that really hit like 20 years ago and it's still the, like a, a dominant IP today, right? You see this with Pokemon. Why are we on Pokemon game 70 that like hasn't really no, changed? No, no, we re- we're recircling back to the first 151 on Pokemon. They've gone through them all, and now they're redropping the first ones because they're like, "Wait, we gotta, we gotta respark this." People are forgetting about the OGs. It's a proven I mean, model. I mean, yeah, the Star Wars it did works. it. Yeah, it works. Yeah, so if if you look at the infrequency with which like traditional IP comes around, it should be you know if, if you could spend a hundred mil to have a Star Wars and just like poof into existence a Star Wars level IP every time, you would. And yeah. quite simply, like there's more than a hundred mil given to many franchises that go nowhere in traditional, right? So like. Like, like IP and media creation is a much tougher cookie to crack because it's not just a numbers game. And we don't know what the, like, what is the success metric? Like, what is the thing that a company needs to hit in NFTs to be successful? In, in DeFi, it's very simple. It's TVL and volume. Then token pumps, right? Like that is just, these are like three numbers that matter. Token price, TVL, volume, all that matters, right? In NFTs, it's just really not clear, right? Like, like. You know, we'll talk about pudgies, I'm sure, but like you could make the argument, okay, pudgies toy revenue is a meaningful metric and it impacts their uh, floor price. Maybe we're not sure that does that mean that everyone should be pursuing toy revenue? I don't know, right? Like, but is it an interesting take on what matters in NFTs? Sure, right? Like, what matters, you know, for other NFT products? What is the metric that matters? The like, we still don't have a good formula for like churning out a successful NFT project. Uh, well, there's there's a few things that have historically, uh, you know, churned out successful NFT projects, but we don't know if those will still uh, be relevant moving forward and whether the market will continue to reward those things. Nick, it looked like you were going to maybe chime in uh, based on what Spencer said. No, you can go ahead. All righty. Well, look, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to discuss the beginning of what Clemente is calling Frentech's domino rally, the continued Pudgy Penguin rally. We've already kind of touched on that. And the recent sustainability of artifacts 
business, uh, the forging business model. Uh, Clemente wanted me to mention the Beeple coffee table book uh, flipping that I tweeted about. So ladies and gentlemen, I guess it was two days ago, we came out of this show and I don't know if it was easy or if it was signal. Someone said, oh, Beeple's uh, book, the everyday's book is on sale for- he sent it in the private chat. Clemente was the person that pointed it out. I uh, said, Clement, uh, Beeple's book is on sale for five bucks at Amazon with free shipping. And I was like, oh, that, that sounds cool. I bought two, one for me and, and you know, one is a gift uh, to give someone for the holidays. I, I like the coffee table books. I got a, a Pollock one over here. I got a Wes Anderson one over here, you know. Uh, my mom's got a bunch of, you know, Matisse cutouts, of a bunch of different ones, right? Um, I tweeted about it thinking, hey, maybe someone else will want to buy people's book for five bucks to give it as a gift to someone or to have on their coffee table because, you know, our books are cool and they're cool things to have in the house. I did not expect there to be a significant contingent of NFT flipping people viewing this as alpha and buying them with the intention to sell. There are now many listings on eBay of this book. There's been one sale for $13 with free shipping. Do you know what that means? That means that NFT flipper lost money, baby. Because the, free, that book is heavy. That book, that is, book is heavy. That, that's a $10 shipping cost. I received mine. It's that, very nice. I flipped through it, it, it and it wasn't a bunch of pictures of dicks, surprisingly, because that's what I was thinking it was going to be, knowing, knowing uh, Beeple's sort of uh, uh, irreverence. Yeah, you got yourself a book, Nick. Look at that. You you bought a book on Amazon. A book came to your house. You took it out of the box. You got a book. That was the exact experience I was looking Nick, for. You said you flipped it, right? <laughs> you flipped the pages. How much did you make? Well, I actually you earn staked page it. Token? I staked it, and now I'm yielding. Uh, oh, read. You're getting read. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, some people also said, what if he does a burn? He's not going to do a burn. It's a book. You bought a book. If you didn't well, want the book, books back in the '60s, people didn't <laughs> like them, so we could. Like, there's a lot of ways this could go. Yeah, you, you shouldn't have bought it if you thought you were going to make money on it. It's a book. If you go to New York City, you should know that nobody actually wants books because most people in the United States can't read. So if you go to Strand Bookstore in Manhattan, all the books are outside. They're literally outside, no security, because nobody's going to steal them because nobody can read. Not all outside. A lot Every of them are outside. One's outside. A lot the of them are outside. outside. They took the walls down. I feel like those are the discount ones that they're trying to get rid of. Uh, they can't get rid of them. Nobody can read in the United States, so nobody wants books. So the fact that people were buying books thinking they were going to flip Theo them is hilarious. Comment on the outside of Strand because he's never made it inside. He's never gone. Why would you go inside? I can't read. I'm American. Uh, Bunny, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Yes, yeah, so I bought two of these things. I'm in for eleven. I got one listed at twenty, a little bit above the floor, and then the other one I'm holding long term, hoping there's a burner and airdrop. That's like kind of my strategy with these. Thank you for the strategy, Bunny. I tweeted that it's embarrassing that some NFT DGENs were uh, trying to flip the book. And so many people, including Cole Ethereum, first time he's ever engaged with me in any way, basically came to the defense of the NFT flippers. was like, nah, man, respect the hustle, blah, blah, blah. This person just is going to lose money on the purchase of this book because it was a really dumb move. He didn't say that part. But I, I just think it's funny, this passion for uh, flip it for anything you possibly can. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why the NFT market is what it is today. <laughs> they're, they're all Gary Gary V uh, followers, pretty much, because Gary V like, and they're going to go to a uh, yard sale, and they're probably going to trade this for an old Pokemon 
which uh, the owner is not going to realize is worth $20,000, but they're going to now have a nice coffee table book as a result. That's the type of opportunities that do exist there. And honestly, uh, someone should create a paperclip challenge with this book. And then, uh, and they're going to be like, I traded this Beeple book and then, and, and shove it in your face, Pia, when they end up with a house, a, a Beeple as a book result, to a board ape, that would go crazy. Exactly. I think there's a possibility here. Hey, Spencer, you want to give me one pudgy in exchange for this Beeple book? No. How about a little pudgy? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> All right. Uh, Clemente, I just sent you a quick clip. Um, can, can you quickly pull that up? I mean, this is just in line with what we're talking about, the uh, the mentality of the yard sale flipping and everything. Then, then we're going to get right into, the, um, right into the weather report immediately after. But uh, I just thought that this clip might be relevant based on what we brought up. So this is comedian Theo Vaughn talking about Gary V. Do you want to just play this real quick, Clemente? Family partially owned the place. It was a oh. business next door. They sold wine, like Gary V or whatever that guy's name is, Jerry V, <laughs> telling people to fucking sell their home and sleep in their yard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that dude was raised on a damn wine <laughs> wine farm or something, dude. He's out of there fucking, you know what I'm saying, dude, hiding grapes in his ass at night, <laughs> freezing grapes and fucking hiding them in his ass. And he's telling people how to struggle, dude. That guy out of his mind, he's like, oh damn, dude. Oh, you still have silverware in your house? Fucking sell it. And then he shows up and you like hug the dude. The guy can't even, he has no way to get food in his mouth. You know, the guy's fucking just knuckling through some chowder, knuckling through some bouillabaisse. And he's like, no worries, man. You made $76 last night. And he hugs him. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what the fuck? So ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Sell your forks and knuckle through some chowder with your hands. That's the NFT way, baby. Make make $76 selling your, your silverware. Uh, Signal, please take it away with the weather report. It just makes me think that many DJs went to Nick's house. Those those little toys at the back would just be like yoink in the trench coat and on eBay in under two minutes. Uh, much love, Theo Vaughn. It's very funny. I love that. Anyway, Thursday, October the 5th, market volume 8.5 million. Blur 4.3, OpenSea 2.5. That gap just getting smaller and smaller over time. Onto the NFT market leaders. Well, looking at the large caps is Pudgy Penguins up 7% to 5.6 ETH after a sweep came in. Coders are up 3% to 3.3. Other movers include Little Pudgies up 18%. That is um, Easy's call on the October win. Doing very well. Cool Cats up 20%. (laughs) Cool cats up 20% and Sprodo gremlins down 20%. If you're hearing Nick in the background, those are sour grapes because he has utes as his call for October. Over the past 24 hours, looking over at Friendtech, well, after one hacker made nearly $400,000 SIM swapping users, Friendtech finally rolled out a way for users to change their login methods. This wasn't before Friendtech's total value lock saw another day of outflows. They're down $7 million from Monday. Over onto uh, sneakers, just one day after Dot Swoosh introduced their new This Is Not A JPEG Shoes, that is exclusive to the Dot Swoosh box holders. Artifacts has now announced the Crypto Kicks Forging event featuring three limited edition shoes with guaranteed access for the Nike Dunk Genesis holders. Uh, it's going to be $222 per pair. However, the shoes will not be available until June 2024 next year. And the Crypto Kicks no 
no surprise, are down 24% on the news. Looking over at the Penguins, as pudgy ecosystem. The Penguins of Teeth, a, co- a collab with LA-based cookie company Last Crumb. It's coming next week. Some of their plushies went on clearance at a Walmart, and a viral wa- Walmart review was left about their plushies, calling them cute but dangerous due to their connection to crypto and NFTs. And then lastly, artist Matt Cain is stirring up after he received backlash on Twitter for his super rare art drop titled Contractual Obligations after holders felt his AI-generated collection did not meet expectations and compared it to the performance art-esque Opepin drop that Vincent Van Doe did, making a statement on the current state of NFT holders. That is all for the weather report. It is back to you folks in the studio. Fantastic weather report. That tweet that you pulled up on the state on the screen from Bunny was pretty funny, showing that the uh, the pudgies were, I guess, selling for three dollars as opposed to four dollars. He said he's already were down money. Returns? Like it's kind of weird how it was being presented there. I don't think that's a real picture. <laughs> the record say that is I've never seen Walmart sell things out of shopping carts. <laughs> I oh, have. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have. My my guess would just be they're trying to like they're. I don't know if it makes sense to have like half a display case full of stuff. Like I'm assuming they went through most of it and this is just what they had left. Um, I mean, it looks, it looks real, but Bunny took this picture from, from someone else. Bunny, you got your hand raised. Yeah, I definitely stole the picture. I have no idea if it's real. But, so what I've been doing is you, know, you buy the toy, you claim the, the digital collectible and then you return it, right? Because they're not going to check that. They have no idea how the blockchain tech works. So th- that's been... That's a bit of alpha. I mean, you are you are just something else. You are a genius when it comes to this stuff, Bunny Spencer. You missed it that Bunny actually had an arb play where he was going to one Walmart where the pudgies were being sold for six dollars, and then that he is real. There was a there was a thing where some of the WalMarts uh, like put them up at the wrong price. So well, you could return it. Yeah, Bunny actually, he took a forklift into the Walmart, took the whole pallet, purchased the entire pallet, drove yeah. the forklift to another Walmart, ended up returning it. You you can't present the receipt. And he returned the $6 pudgy toys for $8. It was a very impressive ARB. I uh, can't say I'm surprised that Bunny came up with it. But anyway, look, ladies and gentlemen, the Daily Digest is posted to X every morning. It's pinned up top. It's emailed to anyone that subscribes at thenifty.com. So make sure you check it out at thenifty.com. First story, the number one season two blur farmer dumped 100 Ethereum worth of his own friend tech keys less than 48 hours after announcing a distribution of friend tech points amongst his key holders. This is a gentleman named Hanway. So I can't say I'm surprised that I saw this happen. Uh, I believe Spencer had a tweet warning people of the dangers of the 3-3 strategy on FriendTech. It was then pointed out by uh, NFT Statistics, friend of the show, um, you know, shortly thereafter. Some people effed around and found out. Meme coin has completed their waitlist submission, adding that the fire sale is on its way as marketing continues to ramp for the meme land token. So interesting to see what will be coming out of the meme land camp and our buddy Ray over there. Polygon co-founder Jane T. Kanani announces that he's stepping, uh, he stepped back from date, uh, this is not written correctly, uh, Clemente, but day-to-day okay, day day, uh, role six months ago and we'll be moving on to a new venture. 
Beeple has officially completed his 6,000th every day. Very, very, very impressive stuff. 6,000 consecutive days. Or I guess he missed literally one day when he went on the Jimmy Fallon show. He just forgot to do it. He did it a little bit past midnight. Uh, but anyway, 6,000 days for people. Uh, yeah, big shout out to him. That's very impressive. Last one, Twitter has began uh, ramping up its DMCA claims on the platform locking various accounts for posting copyrighted content. That includes Leap. Uh, big-time content creator from the NFT space. And it seems it may have been because of a video that had copyrighted music. I mean, people are uploading videos with copyrighted music left and right. I wonder if it's because Leap was monetized. That might be it. I don't know, though. That that could I've be it. That. Yeah, everybody does um, it. Everybody does it. That's, that was my favorite part of Twitter. You could just put whatever you want in oh, yeah. the video and just roll with it. Tw our Twitter spaces, we just literally just play... Songs, music from Spotify. That's not legal. Uh, the other thing I was going to say, the Pudgy Penguins thing, I had that cookie uh, because they had these at Licensing Expo a while ago. I had them at NFT NYC as well. I guess they're just doing a run for, for people to buy it. There's, they have there's, 11 new flavors. You only had the chocolate lava cake one. It, uh, Peter, the CEO, I believe, or Chief Marketing Officer CMO, said that there's 12 flavors in this new box. 12 total flavors. So what am I going to go? Where am I? I'm just going to go to the pudgy site and buy cookies. So apparently like the last crumb is like a big thing in LA. Like it, this is like a, a drippy, like cookie company, like hype beastie cookie company. Yo, when I eat that, I'm wearing a Supreme shirt, you know? No, yeah. Like I, it, uh, it is a I, thing. Are, can you flip the cookies? It, in LA, trendy Maybe. food is a huge thing. There's a restaurant called Egg Slut that was like the wicked trendy thing, you know, when I lived there. Now it's become more of a franchise. <laughs> Look, hype is real in LA for sure. So no, I actually saw an Egg Slut in Japan. Wow. So they've like blown that's how up. That's franchise it became. They've yeah. blown up. That's crazy. The last, I mean, look at the logo right there. The last, this is so drippy. I mean, this is so drippy. 161. size. Uh, Dude. These cookies are like, this is like the worst thing for me ever, basically. Like uh, cookies in a bag with preservatives. It, it's just like, this is the downfall. I had one of these. They were so good, but it was probably like, I just like injected 600 calories of, gar of sugar directly into my veins. Uh, it kept me walking at, uh, I will say, walking around that expo did require energy. So maybe was justifiable. I don't know. Oh, it, it, yeah. You know, if you're like using it, people man. using Snickers bars as energy, <laughs> like being like, yeah, this is a, this is an athletic. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, I'm sure Stephen Curry at halftime is just like, yo, can I get a Snickers bar? Uh, can I get a Snickers? <laughs> one of the like on a one to 10 scale. Because we don't have that much processed food in Europe. You got like the Americans, you guys are like experts in processed food and just like, Doing stuff to food that I didn't even know you could do to food. So, like, on the cookie market, how good are these cookies? Like, are we talking like it, it was Ben tasty. and Jerry's cookie dough good, or like just like you know Magnum kind of like meh? They're very good. I think the preservative element of it is the main distinction because they are in those bags and designed to be shipped. Um, the there's a cookie place here in New York, and I'm blanking insomnia. On it. I'm look it up. No, Levine? that one. What's the one? You say no, uh, no, that one's good, but uh, that's Levain Bakery. Cookies. 
No, there's one. Crumble's so overrated. Okay, guys, there's there's <laughs> one. <laughs> I'll go to battle for the right here. Cookie expert. Chip City. Gooey on the inside. Chip City. Chip. I think Chip City is it. So good. This thing is insane. Like, and it is awful for you. I mean, they got Lucky Charms uh, oh. uh, cookies. They're so good. And it's just like a 1,200 calories for a cookie. Like, there's nothing good about this whatsoever, except it tastes insane, dude. It tastes insane. Um, but... They got like pictures of kids. Oh, look at these kids just having fun. You are murdering your kids in these photos. <laughs> like literally that that's what's going down. This stuff is so good. They always have different types. People are uh, like every uh, there's there's a cohort of uh, Ugg wearing girls in New York City who, who literally they're like, oh, my God, have you seen the latest thing that Chip City posted on their uh, on their Instagram, we gotta <laughs> check it out. Like this is so good, and, uh, and it's just like, uh, and it's so awful. And uh, but some New Yorkers, well, they used to. Be, what happened was this: New York suddenly became a fat city, and the reason it became a fat city is because COVID. Because people stopped walking. Like we got used to it. I will no, say, I got my Nick, e-bike. Nick, this is a false narrative that you're putting out here. New York has always been a fat city. In 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 textbooks now, there is what the textbook example of a bubble was more relatable than the Dutch tulip bubble. The textbook example of a bubble is the Brooklyn cupcake bubble, which happened in the mid like 2010s, right? And this was after Crumb Bakery did so well. There was a cup. There was a time when there was a cupcake store on every single corner of Brooklyn. You couldn't look one way or the other. This that no way could know how couldn't do it without seeing like five cupcake shops, right? This was the great cupcake renaissance. And then they all went out of business. Every single one, including Crumb, went out of business. Well, first of you all... Want wow. fact that, wait, sorry. Sorry, I had to put this in. It's so, Lucky Charms are banned, actually banned in Norway and Austria, permitted in the US, even though they cause hives and itching. Like, what the hell are you putting in your cookies, people? Have you ever had Lucky Charms? There's a reason for it. Those marshmallows? Yeah. And now sell them with no, just no, marshmallows. Well, quick comment. Uh, anytime I see American uh, junk food that comes in a bag or a box, it, it like put into baked goods that are sold at a boutique uh, store, it just really, uh, I die a little bit inside. It's like the worst thing ever. I'm like, what What are we doing here? There's now fried chicken places where it's like, yeah, and we have hot Cheetos in the, in the breading. And I'm just like, guys, this is really trending the wrong way. It's really rough. Number two, I am amped right now because Nick just low-key made a new character. That voice was hilarious. And we're going to have to put you in a wig and get this character rocking and rolling. I have been thinking about getting a wig to be completely honest i got rid of my old wig i had it didn't uh but i i do need to get a wig back um so that i can actually have a female character i want it there's some stuff i want to do around uh love is blind the tv show (laughs) it's it's gotten awful like the show has gotten there's like no plot line so my, uh, my girlfriend and myself literally like role play scenarios well, be in bed and I'm like, yo, when you moved your arm that way, like when you moved your arm that way, it really frustrated me and it made me feel like uh, we may not have a future together anymore. It really irritated me. I felt like you pulled the sheet like off in a weird, in a weird angle. And I did like, why did you do that? Why, like, why did you go do that to the, to the sheet? 
And it's just like, oh, like dramatic music. What are we going to do? Like, how are we going to, how are we going to reconcile this situation? The sheet initially was covering me in a way which provided warmth and comfort. And now it's further down my arm. And I don't know what to do about that situation. I just don't know what to do about that situation. This is just, I don't know how we're going to get through this for 15 fucking minutes. That show will talk about literally a nothing burger. There was the, the, the image that you just showed was of one of the characters, this guy, the entire show does not say a word. Like there's like, she, she'd be like, you know, I, I, I want to feel so connected to you and stuff like that. And, and lately I've been feeling some distance, blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, yeah. <laughs> like, like that's like, it sounds like a real relationship. To, to anything that she said. And then she's like, just like torn up inside about this thing. And, and, and uh, he's like, you know, you've just been worked up over this since, since we first met. I just don't understand what, what's going on. Jeez. I just don't understand what's going on. And, uh, and then he's just like, I mean, I think you've been, you, you, you've just, anyways, he literally just says nothing. He just st stares sto stone cold at her face and says nothing. And I'm like, what is going, like, what is going on with this? But they force you to watch this for 20 minutes. They forced you. I'm just like, I'm just like, they forced me. They yeah. basically said, you have to watch this show for the next 20 minutes, Nick. You have to watch it. You have no other options. It sounds like You're they're hitting the nail on the head, Nick. Um, we're, we got a new character from Nick. This is very exciting. Bunny has his hand raised before we move on. Bunny, something to add? Oh, yeah. I had Lucky Charms Alpha. Um, because I don't like the cereal part. You can go right to Amazon. You get a one pat one pound bag of just the marshmallows for like eleven ninety nine. That way you don't have to pick out just the marshmallows. Wow, Pro processed yeah. bullshit marshmallows for twelve bucks a pound. That's an incredible rate. I'd rather eat that than go ahead. <laughs> I went to the doctor's yesterday. I got a physical checkup, and uh, for whatever reason, they measure my weight with all my clothes on. So I'm like, what what is going on here? But relative to i was like did we do this last year and she was like yeah i think so uh, yeah you definitely did 12 pounds and, and I'm, 10 pounds and uh and, and i'm just like and all the commenters are like wow nick's looking like he's working out i'm like if if me adding 10 pounds of fat is what looks like me working out let's go you know that's like that's that's a uh, american standards at this point in time is that uh, uh me adding 10 now i'm just like i can't I, I gotta like completely uh, transform what's going on because your boy's about to lose ten pounds real quick because <laughs> this is just unacceptable. Well, can't wait for it. Look, I, I want to um, take diet pills. I, no, don't do that. I want to um, I want to talk to Spencer because basically the rise and and maybe now fall or plateau, I should say, of friend tech has occurred entirely while Spencer was out of town. Like in the duration of time that Spencer was out of town, the entire arc of friend tech has happened um and is continuing to unfold the entire arc what, what is yeah, i mean look the, yeah go oh, go ahead i was just gonna open-ended question what do you think of this i mean look like like friend tech is interesting and engaging and and you know degen in all the right ways right like like one of the meta theses here is we've maybe moved from like playing in an andreessen game to playing in a paradigm game and the difference between andreessen games and paradigm games is like Paradigm games are like far more degen, as we've learned with like Blur and Arc Gobblers and all sorts of various things that they've like backed, right? 
Um, but one of the things that you can know for sure about a paradigm game when you play it is that they're really good at getting coins exchange listed and traded by top tier market makers, right? And so that's the game that's going on here. It's just the most obvious thing in the entire world is that the ERC-20 that's launched by Friend Tech will be exchange listed by a tier one exchange and um, market made by a tier one market maker, right? So like, when you look at what's going on, that's, that's the important context. Is Friend Tech all that revolutionary? No, right? Like, you're kidding yourself if you think that people are on Friend Tech because of the chats, right? Like, if you look, you know, for those of you who are around for BitClout, this is just the same thing with, like, extra steps, and maybe they'll actually launch a token, right? Like, it's just a, it, this whole, like, thing that we got going on here is, like, um, is eerily familiar. That being said, right, like, one of the failures of NFTs over the last unit of time is they failed to be interesting in the ways that FriendTech is. And I think that's why you see a lot of uh, mind share, attention share shift over to FriendTech, right? You know, uh, I think one of the things that I talk a lot about is um, the product market fit for crypto in many ways is just kind of gambling, right? And the challenge with gambling uh, on NFTs right now is that none of them go up, right? And so uh, you're not a great casino if nobody wins. And so like FriendTech, the way that the bonding curve works is people will have at least unrealized gains uh, very often. Now, the thing that gets really ugly is this, is that, um, is that the, like, like the thing that will ultimately happen, right, is we saw this with the 3-3, three, three, right? If you know game theory, you know that 3-3 three, three is not the equilibria, right? Which means that something is going to have to break, right? You see all these sorts of other things that are clearly unsustainable. What happens after the airdrop? What happens leading up to the airdrop, right? There's a set time under which you're basically like silly if you think this will maintain afterwards, right? And so... Um, this has been like the thing that's concerning to me is there is a lot of people who are way over invested farming the points. Additionally, the points that you get have gone down pretty significantly per unit of time as the TBL has gone up, right? And so people doing the math right now, like I think it's very challenging to think about why you should start putting large capital onto friend tech. And it's pretty reasonable to look at it right now and say, okay, I am timing my exit, right? And the thing about how bonding curves work is they go up and everyone's like, and this is a bonding curve that goes up pretty fast. Everyone's like, wow, I'm so rich on paper. And then as fast as they go up, they go down real fast, right? We see um, one of the big challenges too is like for a while, the meta was launch, buy a bunch of your own keys, right? If you're the first one to buy a bunch of your own keys, you can't lose that much money on the bonding curve. You're just losing money to the fees that you pay to the platform, which is like a couple of percent, right? So the dominant strat when it launched was buy a bunch of your own keys then anyone else who buys after you, you can always dump on because if you buy the first 100 keys, you're at the bottom of the curve, right? So like anyone who buys after you is literally just exit liquidity. And then on top of that, for a while, when you bought your own keys, you got a whole bunch of points. And because you drove like the first key you bought was like 10 ETH less than, the, than the, the 100th key you bought. And so when you buy 100 of your own keys, you go to literally like immediately three ETH, right? Uh, and so you have all this like notional portfolio value and when it was just calculated on vanilla portfolio value like that was the meta right like that was how you made tons of points early on in friend tech the challenge was everyone was like hey this is not very aligned to like the thing we're doing which it wasn't right and so then they nerfed self-buying right and so now what you have is all of these big accounts that bought a hundred of their own keys saying like ah like i gotta dump my own keys like sorry guys Right, because their keys aren't giving them those points, which is the end game here is to get points, and their, their money is actually better spent on other people. And so, what you saw for a period of time was the big whales going to each other and saying, "Hey, I'm going to sell my keys and buy your keys because they're similarly priced. Will you sell your keys and buy my keys immediately?" Right, and so that was the whole three-three concept: was these big whales 
going to each other and like justifying selling their own keys because they brought in liquidity for someone to buy. The challenge is that if you game that out, the the optimal game theory, like heartless, you know, stoic approach is to just dump, right? And so that's what they've been doing. They've just been dumping. And the other problem too is as the additional like incentives for having marginal like value on the platform go down, which was how they really incentivized that early rush. Like I just don't see like like this coin will launch. This coin will have probably a couple hundred million dollar market cap for like a couple of days. But I don't see the longevity here, right? You know, we even saw like there was the clone that was launched on AVAX. Maybe that one's a little bit better. Like I just I don't believe in social fi on a bonding curve. It just doesn't seem like why no. would that work? Neither does Nick. So, it's so stupid. The bonding curve is actually the complete flaw in the system because there wasn't the the incremental value produced by adding 50 followers was not thousands of dollars. Like that's just, that's just not the case. More importantly, the price, like it, it leaves the price value presentation out of the control of the creator. And so the, like when you think of a large YouTuber that ends up uh, selling a course online about growing your YouTube, which is what literally every large YouTuber does, um, that at least there's like, they they get to control the price that that product is delivered at and so they're like in the process of creating a product that uh there's so many like misaligned uh components of this but the biggest is like you're saying the bonding curve pricing mechanism makes no sense like well, it because yeah so it it it, it makes sense for what it's doing right like it makes sense to pump tvl on a platform ahead of an airdrop like it makes sense. Like the, the, the thing that you have to recognize about friend tech is it is a beautifully designed like ohm fork basically, right? Like this yeah. is something that is not meant to last. This is something that is meant to have a lot of really impressive. Like we talked about what are the stats that matter, blah, 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 blah. The stats that matter for a social five protocol like this is volume, is fees generated, is optimized for doing all of these things ahead of an airdrop. But like as soon as that airdrop happens, right? Like I think we see the wheels fall off really, really substantially here because it, it, you know, same thing. Like, like, like you look at Art Gobblers. Art Gobblers was really good at pumping the price of Art Gobblers when Goo Token first came out and providing volume to Blur. That was the point of Art Gobblers. Like, this is going to have a token that's going to print because there's going to be all these people who have nothing to do because there's nothing interesting that's happened for months sitting in their computers running billion dollar funds, being like, oh, I'm going to put, sure, I'll toss 10K, you know, 10 mil, whatever, one mil, two mil into this. Like coin, it has high TVL, it has high volume, it has all the things that I'm looking for in a coin, right? Like it is meant to do that. It's going to do that very, very well. And if you like look, this is like a fully left curve, right curve. I don't care which part of the curve you're on. Just you see paradigm, you see coin, you see volume, you see TVL. It's gonna be like it's gonna be a couple hundred million dollar cap coin. Like it's just that simple. The thing is, like the, the debate that is important to have is what happens after the airdrop, right? There's surely there'll be more airdrop incentives, et cetera, but like like, will this stick around after the airdrop? Will this be a thing that people use? Or people are already like critiquing Blur for this, right? And Blur is literally like an exchange. Like it, 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 it does stuff, right? Like, but this is where the bonding curve like works really well because everyone looks like they have unrealized gains, but as soon as they go to realize it, everyone gets nuked, right? And that has to happen like probably right before the airdrop. Yeah, the whole situation there, uh, you're. You, I, I enjoyed your report that you produced uh, in your friend tech. So that that was uh, good. That was basically the only positive thing that I've gotten out of friend tech so far. Um, and that, uh, yeah, I mean, clearly you put an effort into um, into that, and it was awesome to read. Uh, I think that uh, the 
the majority of stuff on there, the value just doesn't represent. And really, it's like uh, it's a game of chicken um, that people are playing with each other because as, as the price goes up, it does ramp very quickly. I remember when I got on the platform, I had an initial spike. I killed my floor by selling my own keys. Just I was like, oh, what happens if I sell one of my keys? And uh, answer, it nukes your price um, and every, everyone loses trust. Uh, and then I just, I haven't posted there in a while, which is uh, unfortunate because I don't have time to write a 10,000 word essay that- uh, 18 that, people are going to read. <laughs> oh, whatever the number is. Um, I mean, it was, it, well, it was awesome. I mean, as far as LPs, that's, that's uh, quality stuff. Um, well, you know, yeah. it might have been monthly. I anyway write a 10,000 yeah. word essay that like the 40 to 70 LPs of mine like read, right? Like, and so I was like, ah, like, do, do, I write this anyway. Like, what's a mechanism for other people to see it that might be kind of interesting and fun? And like, that's what friend tech was to me, right? Like, it, it's interesting, it's fun. It's not something that like I'm investing a ton of money into. I think it's cool to use stuff. Like, there's definitely some sort of adoption that's happened here, right? Like, and in crypto, when we talk about things going on, like like we're, we're, we trade NFTs, right? We can't, you, you can't critique the adoption that FriendTech has had. Like FriendTech has spun up an ecosystem that's like basically as large as NFTs right now um, off of like one product. And I think that that's like incredibly impressive, right? Like I'm not, like, I think it is a step forward. It's an interesting thing. I, you know, does it have longevity? I don't know. But like, I think if you're a crypto participant, like part of the bear market is participating in interesting things. Why? Because almost certainly in the bull market, someone's just going to launch a friend tech clone. And you will benefit from having been here today if you remember how this all played out, right? Like that's the thing you should be doing is engaging with it, seeing it. What was the like silly finicky nuance thing that was very profitable, that was not very profitable? Like figure that out because when someone launches a clone in the next market, which they will, because this was one of the most successful things that has happened in the bear market is friend tech, right? Someone will launch a clone in the bull market. It might even be a slightly better clone, right? They'll just run it back turbo. Right? Spencer, have you seen Stars happen. Arena, the AVAX iteration of it? I did see Stars Arena. I, I, I think I, that's a better product than Frentech. Like it's got the full post timeline. People are tipping on it. It reminds me more of like a BitClout version of it. And on top of it, it's it's been relatively seamless. They did obviously have some smart contract issues that came to light today. But like the thing that's most interesting to me about both platforms is just their speed to iterate and ship updates. Like Frentech yesterday saw the massive SIM swap issue going on. Where because all the data is public and they showcase how large your portfolio is, there was people targeting those accounts, going after them to try to get a hold of what was in it. And sadly, we did see a bunch of those people get hit. But the team ended up shipping an update to resolve it within hours, which is like great, especially in this space. Like when you're seeing iterations on top of it to try to improve, I think that's a win for the space because like the only time that you actually see adoption and kind of growth is when shipping and iterations occur. And I think we are, to your point, going to see some level of a clone or even a better iteration of this in the bull, or maybe it is FriendTech just continuing to ship once the, the mania kind of slows. Because, I, dude, they have a massive, massive war chest now just off those fees. You had mentioned the fees. It's 10% on every transaction. The creator gets five and the company gets five. So like that is that has given them a substantial balance sheet that I think can let them scale, especially with how lean their team is. Well, I wanted to ask Spencer, is there any situation where... The, the guys building front tech, you know, try to make this like a, a really big, long, you know, long-term sustained platform. Like, yeah, is, I mean, like they should, right? Like, I, I'm not saying they're not trying to, I'm just saying I'm skeptical of that, right? Like, I think, you know, there's a world in which like, like, like they'll give it the good college try. Like there's probably at least one thing up their sleeve 
right? Because you know it's just so obvious there'll be a sell-off prior to the airdrop, right? Like, like, like th there's got to be something more going on here, right? Got to be another thing, but like, you know, it wouldn't shock me if it it doesn't work, right? Like, and if their threshold for like ah it doesn't work is like pretty low, right? Like, like we'll have to see. I mean, it, it is already if it sustains for like until <laughs> the airdrop, then it has sustained longer than BitClap did, right? Like. I think that they're trying to make it work. I'm just skeptical that they will make it. Yeah, I mean that that what you just described the threshold for ah it might not work is historically low in all things crypto, especially after you've printed literally tens of millions of dollars with a tiny team. And that's when we first started talking about Frentech. That's what I talked about over and over again is I just hope that they're going to try to Brian Armstrong this thing and actually build a startup and not just be like ah we made 18 million bucks. We gave it a go, you know. But also like if they don't and you're caught holding the bag, like that's kind of on you. Of right? course. Like that Of course. Like like it, like it, all the signs are there that there's not like if they do great, it's awesome, that's good. I hope they do. But like don't be like, "Oh, like I didn't see this coming," right? Yeah, of course. When people started like buying, like deploying significant capital into front tech keys, I was like, you guys are nuts. Like what? And then people came on this show and they're like, nah, nah, you, you just don't get it. No, you just don't get it. I was like, what? Like, this is wild. Like, it's one thing. I, I understand people probably felt the same way about NFTs, but at least it's like, this is the digital art revolution. This is the digital collectibles revolution. Like buying a random ass Twitter profiles key on a brand new platform. That's some wild stuff to me, at least. I don't know. Well, you know, I think that the, the people that like have done it right is like, you see a lot of the bigger accounts trying to buy really small accounts, right? And why they try and buy really small accounts? Because the, the likelihood, like, like ideally, like you want to be the first person to buy an account because then like, even if you dump at the end, like you're at the end of the bonding curve, you don't like get dumped on in the same way. And so like, it's kind of funny the way that like it, it, it's playing out, but like, you know, I, I think certainly some people who deployed real capital on Frentech will make money, right? Like, like I think the skeptics underprice the value of the airdrop. The airdrop is probably very valuable, is my guess. And you didn't want to engage in that or you didn't have time to? I think from like the fund perspective, like the fund itself, like we don't we don't trade Frentech. Um, like I think it was something that was had we done it like very early on, sure, but like when we made the call not to do very early on and then like watch it play out, like the rules have changed. Like if, if I had launched it, like we would have like self bought like a hundred keys, right? Like that probably would have been the move. But then like the week I was considering doing that was the week it got nerfed. So I'm glad we didn't do that. Like it, it's hard to play on these changing things. And like, you know, one of the challenging things is for me is, okay, will this airdrop be profitable? I think almost certainly, right? Then what is the strategy for optimizing this airdrop? That was like it was hard to it's hard to figure out it's hard to get it right in the changing environment of what it is um and so we just skipped this one you know what we probably may miss out on generational wealth almost certainly am i okay with that also yes right like it's just just wasn't wasn't the right thing for us to do I totally get it i know you got to jump at 10 a.m we're gonna wrap the show shortly thereafter but i want to hit you with a, a quick hitter we did a little contest on the show at for the month of October, which is what is going to like make a call. What is going to be the NFT collection that has the highest percentage gain, like the highest increase in floor price from a percentage standpoint from October 1st to October 30th? Well, you weren't supposed to show him all the picks, uh, Clemente. Uh, so now he knows what everybody picked. <laughs> 
But uh, we wanted to see, I mean, obviously you're five days in, so you have uh, an advantage here. We, we did it at the very beginning of the month. But what's your bet, Spencer? What's your bet for the best performing NFT collection by percentage floor price increase in the month of October? Okay, so first of all, I think you guys are all smoking crack picking NFTs that are of that floor price. Um, the, it, clearly, like the answer should either be something like Dick Butt Season 4 or Little Lemon Friends. Like It should be something trading at like, 0.0 something ETH. Yeah. Because it doesn't take a lot for it to run. I said so that because go, Easy said D gods at first. And I was like, you don't understand how math works, amigo. Because that's yeah, like a really so, high floor price. But go ahead. I can't funny, read. Funny, <laughs> you can't read. Funny one with board AVR. Oh, yeah. That, maybe it was I'm funny. In second, wait, wait, wait. I'm in Is second place right now. My NF, so like, you guys are way off here. <laughs> All right. Spencer. I'm going to go, you know what? You know what? I'm going to go with the Nifty Portal. That's what I'm going to go with. I think the Nifty Portal like 1155 is the one that's going to run. I like that. I think right where it's at right now, it has more room. Well, I'm going to sweep it. I think that I'll, means I'll Spencer that. Ventures is about to sweep it. We'll just give him some inside info yeah, behind the scenes really real quick. Really what I care about is, you know, winning this contest. It's, I'm all in. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got to drop, but great great to see you guys. Great to be back. Absolutely, man. Glad that you got home safe. I, I hope apologize to the audience for letting Nick and P.O. ramble the whole time when I was gone. <laughs> Kidding. Yeah, of course. See you guys. Peace. Yeah, see you, brother. Good drip. Look, we're going we're gonna to wrap the show here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. It's available on uh, every single week, by the way. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, YouTube for the video stream. We're also streaming 2X on video, so you can catch the video on X as well. But anyway, we will be back tomorrow to close out the week. Again, 9 a.m. Eastern time each and every week is where you can find us. I want to remind everyone again that yesterday's show with uh, DC Investor was a real kick-ass show. So if you uh, are looking for some insight on Ethereum, on NFTs, on you know fine art in the NFT space, it really is a great listen. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow.